0: Welcome back to the Homeselman MMA podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 27. Shout out to all the homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about the upcoming heavyweight UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivak. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of last Saturday, UFC 281 at Asanya versus Pereira. Let's go. The most First round knockouts in one UFC event in history with seven. Incredible night of fights, surprisingly. Both belts that were on the line switched hands by the end of the night. Let's dive into it. We start off recapping Carlos Olberg versus Nikolai Nagumarianu. Nikolai took some heavy low kicks in round one from Olberg, and Olberg looked sharp on the feet. nagumarianu got frustrated with Olberg fighting from distance. And using his length advantages, Olberg landed a massive left hook that dropped Nugumarianu and landed two more shots to finish the fight by knockout. Incredible performance by Carlos Olberg. Julia Arce versus Montel Jackson. Jackson got going right away trying to wrestle in this fight. Arce was more dominant in striking on the feet, and Jackson was taken down at the end of round one, and that actually made him a bit gun-shy with his striking and takedown attempts. That wore off by the end of the second round, though, and Montel Jackson scored a knockdown, plenty of control time on the ground, and got the decision win. Michael Trezano versus Shang Wu Choi. This fight was all action and it was an awesome first round. Both fighters landed extremely powerful shots that dropped the other fighter, including a double knockdown where both guys landed hooks to drop the other fighter. So much power on display in the striking very even statistics through the first round as both fighters were chasing knockouts. Two knockdowns for Trezano to one for Choi towards the end of the first round, and then Michael Trezano landed a powerful left hook that dropped Choi for the third time, and Trezano got the finish with 10 seconds left. Carolino Kowalkowitz versus Silvana gomez Juarez. Silvana looked very fast with her striking in this fight, but Kowalkowitz got her to the ground, and it was a completely different fight. Carolina had the advantage on the ground for sure, Gomez Suarez looked really sharp on the feet in this fight, but the takedowns of Kowalkiewicz were making this fight very interesting. It was a pretty close fight, it felt like Gomez Suarez was winning the exchanges on the feet, but Kowalkiewicz did just enough to get the decision win. Something weird did happen with this fight, with the judges scorecards at the end, not sure exactly what was going on, but it took a long time to get the decision to Bruce Buffer, we saw somebody writing and scratching out scores on a scorecard changing numbers at one point, while Bruce is waiting for the scorecards, and that happened actually in the octagon, so really strange set of circumstances, I'll be, I'll be very interesting to see what kind of comes out of that, what happened, It was all just a little bit strange, not something we see every day in the UFC, which is a very professional organization. Matt Frivola versus Eitman Azaitar. Matt Frivola came out confident, guns blazing, fighting in front of his hometown crowd. Frivola led the dance in this fight. It was much more active. Azaitar used much more of a kicking heavy attack to start this fight. And Azaitar stumbled Frivola with a short left hook, but Frivola went right back in front of him, ready to fight and that is when it ended. Matt Favula landed a right hand followed by a left hook to knock out Zaitar on the feet, and the fight was over by knockout. Andrei Petroski versus Wellington Termin. These fighters were slinging punches to start this fight. Petrovsky got a takedown in the first round, but Turman had more significant striking output. Very close first round to judge, but it was clear that Petroski was more fatigued after round one compared to Termin. Wellington Terman went for a guillotine choke early in round two, but Petrosky got out of it quickly and then found himself in top position. When they returned to the feet, Wellington Terman flipped the script and started getting takedowns and offensively wrestling Petrosky. To finish the round, Petrosky got a takedown and ended the round on top. Very good fight, very close fight, and to start round three, Andre Petrosky got a very fast takedown and went for a submission right away. Andre Petrosky flowed. Extremely well on the ground, and he will be a problem for the middleweight division with this decision win. Look for Petrosky to fight a ranked opponent next, most likely. Aaron Blanchfield versus Meatball Molly McCann. Surprisingly, Meatball Molly McCann had the crowd backing her, even though Blanchfield was the hometown fighter. Like I told you last week, Aaron Blanchfield would use her wrestling a ton in this fight, and she got a takedown one minute into this one and worked her way into a crucifix position with Molly McCann just stuck on the ground. Blanchfield unloaded continuous ground strikes, and McCann was just in a terrible position. Blanchfield eventually went for a super deep Kimura submission attempt, and cranked Molly's arm back behind her body, turning it almost all the way back towards her head. Meatball Molly McCann had no choice but to tap, or have her arm broken, and Aaron Blanchfield, as the large favorite, got the win on the ground like I told you she likely would last week. Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Span. Crazy fight. Ryan Spann got the first round knockout win with a stiff jab. Unfortunately for Dominic Reyes, that's four in a row with two knockouts. And I hate to say it, but he probably needs to retire. I feel bad for him, but very impressive win for Ryan Span. He will fly up the rankings, likely into the top eight with a potential top five matchup next. Ryan Spann is incredibly skilled with submissions and he has also showed yet again that he has elite power with his striking. Wow, what a finish by Ryan Span! I would actually really love to see him and Jamal Hill throw hands next. That fight would be wild. Brad Rydell versus Renato Moicano. Moicano looked very fast to start this fight with his striking, and his jab was very efficient. Rydell was not seeing the jab coming from Moicano at all. I told you last week that Moicano was likely going to win by submission and he found the rear naked choke in the first round with his first opportunity that he took the back of Brad Rydell. Really regretting not taking Moicano to win by submission because that seemed almost too obvious in hindsight, and based on my analysis last week, is what it is. I told you guys what would happen, hopefully you did take that. Dan Hooker vs Claudio Pueles. Pueles went for the knee bar and heel hook quickly in this fight. And Dan Hooker was very strategically defending, but man, was this a chess match. Dan Hooker's legs were incredible danger from submissions multiple times, very scary to watch. I was worried that we were going to see a knee just absolutely get blown up, but Dan Hooker did a great job. He moved very well on the ground, got out of the dangerous positions, and stayed on the attack when they were on the feet. Straight up, Claudio Puelles looked awful in this fight. Dan Hooker was a sharpshooter from distance, and Puelles couldn't do anything on the feet. Eventually, Dan Hooker got the second round TKO victory because Puelles just couldn't stand on his feet from taking so many body shots. Puelles only landed five shots in over a round and a half of fighting. Absolutely crazy, easy win for Dan Hooker once he was able to escape the ground threat. He was 1,000 times the better striker and he ended up getting a well-deserved win. Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. These were very fast fighters. Gutierrez used a lot of spinning attacks, and let me tell you, that guy is legit. He landed a perfect knee right to the chin of Frankie Edgar for the first-round knockout win. Very fast, very well-timed, precise knee right up the middle. Frankie Edgar dropped down as he threw a strike and he dropped right into the knee of Chris Gutierrez. Edgar was throwing kind of like a looping strike, almost like a hook, and when he did so, he dropped his head down, and he basically just ate the knee of Chris Gutierrez. Perfect shot, impressive first-round win for Gutierrez. Unfortunately, that's a career for Frankie Edgar. Shout-out to the legend. That was a tough retirement fight, and it didn't go how he wanted, of course. But that's the fight game. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Chandler came out as the aggressor in this fight and maintained constant forward pressure. Michael Chandler has a ton of power. You should see his Instagram page. The guy is crazy explosive. He was throwing some serious power tonight. And Michael Chandler just never let up, throwing constant strikes and combos, particularly early in this fight. Michael Chandler's an all-action fighter. There really is no boring Michael Chandler fight. He's always in exciting fights. But... The flip side was Dustin Poirier, and man, Poirier started throwing crazy strikes, and the first round was probably the best round of the year, in my opinion. Michael Chandler was having an incredible first round, but then Poirier unloaded in the last minute to potentially steal it. Insane round, he started letting the combos go, everything he was throwing seemed to be landing, and he was just beating up Michael Chandler's face. Michael Chandler in this fight landed a few power slam takedowns, which are always so exciting to watch because they are so rare. It was just an awesome fight, and we knew it would be the day that this fight was booked. Michael Chandler was gushing blood in round two. He went for a very naked choke attempt against the cage. I gave round two a 10-8 to Chandler. Chandler really dominated, particularly with the wrestling in that round. A lot of people made it, scored it as a 10-9. Definitely not... a Gonna be really upset with that. I think a 10-9 could easily be warranted, but I just saw it with so much control time on the ground, so much damage, I actually gave round two 10-8 to Chandler. So entering the third round, I had it 19-18 with Michael Chandler up entering that round. Such a great fight. Michael Chandler got a single leg, lifted up Poirier, and went for another power slam takedown. But this time, Dustin Poirier flipped out and took Michael Chandler's back. This fight was as exciting on the ground as it was on the feet. With the back, Dustin Poirier got the rear naked choke submission win over Michael Chandler. Insane fight, really an outstanding fight, and just an absolute crowd-pleasing all-action war. Carla Esparza versus Zhang Wei Li was our first championship fight of the night. Wei Li uses a full kickboxing attack, and she had the kicks going early. She just seemed faster than Carla with her striking, stronger. But at one point, Carla Esparza caught a leg kick, but Wei Li rotated around and tried to get the back of Esparza. People don't realize just how talented Whaley is with her submission game. These women were flowing on the ground, and Wei Li was going for submission attempts from the top, from the bottom, constantly threatening Carla Esparza, while Carla Espar- Esparza was just trying to find some control ability on the ground. I think that Wei Li put some fear into Esparza in round one that Wei Li was so talented on the ground with her jiu-jitsu. I don't think Esparza was expecting that. And in round two, Wei Li showed just how skilled she is with her jiu-jitsu by reversing a submission by Carla Esparza, and then putting Esparza in a crucifix position into a rear naked choke second round submission win. Incredible fight for Zhang Wei Li. I think she's an excellent champion, always in exciting fights. Really enjoy watching Zhang Li fight, so cheers to her, she is the new champion. That took us to our final main event, the middleweight championship of Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. This fight was so intense. Pereira was throwing a lot of low leg kicks early, then he started to throw some up high trying to catch Izzy off guard. Izzy has incredible movements and fates though, and he landed a powerful right hand shot in round one. At the very end of round one, Israel Adesanya landed a powerful overhand right perfectly placed on the ear of Alex Pereira. Pereira was noticeably wobbled, and he was absolutely saved by the bell. That shot Izzy landed at the end of round one was two seconds away from being a fight-finishing punch. If he could have followed up at all on that punch, one or two, three more shots, that would have been it, but there was no more time left. Pereira was saved by the bell. Izzy was on the way to putting away Pereira in round one, but Pereira was able to bounce back in round two. Round two was also great. I thought Izzy was winning the round, but then Pereira actually got a takedown late and stole the round, in my opinion. He was landing some big power shots in that round as well, and I thought that it was close until the takedown. Adesanya got a takedown of his own in round 3, took the back, and started to work in some hooks for ground and pound. Izzy showed a new development in his game, he maintained top position pretty excellently, and he was wearing down the gas tank of Alex Pereira. Izzy had almost 3 minutes of ground control time in round 3, with some strikes, so there was maybe a little argument for a 10-8 round. I had it 29-27, to Izzy winning, entering the 4th round. Pareda looked tired in round four, certainly looked much slower than previously in the fight, less speed, less power, but then it happened. It happened to Kamaru Usman, now it happened to Israel Adesanya. In the fifth round, Adesanya was on his way to winning, on his way to defending his middleweight championship yet again, but Adesanya got caught with a left hook from Alex Pareda, and Adesanya was stumbled. Pareda unloaded after that with strikes, chased the finish, gave all he had left in the tank to try to get that knockout win. He threw a ton of strikes, and the ref stepped in, and Alex Pareda got the 5th round TKO victory. I did feel, personally, that the stoppage was a little early. Yes, Izzy was stunned, but he was still moving and dodging strikes when the ref stopped the fight. I felt that he could have given Izzy more time to try to tie up Pareda in the clinch. But regardless, there's a new middleweight champion of the world with Alex Pereira by 5th round TKO. Incredible power from this kickboxer to get the finish that late in this fight. Now people are arguing about the stoppage. Israel Adesanya did address it in the media and say he thought the stoppage was appropriate. My only thing with Izzy is a lot of his striking defense is head movement. So I did think, yeah, he was maybe getting caught with a few strikes while he was trying to dodge against the cage when he was stumbled. But that's also kind of how he defends himself. I don't know. It was strange. I'm not upset with the stoppage. I just felt like it was possibly a little early when you're talking about a championship fight and a guy who's about to lose his championship belt. I think the ref should have let it go just a little bit further because Izzy, for him, that was intelligent defense. He uses head movement. who's going side to side. If you watch his eyes, even though his head was down. He was looking up at Pereira, so he was trying to dodge. Like I said, not upset with the stoppage. Izzy's not upset with the stoppage. I just felt that with the stakes as high as they were, I do think you have to give a little bit longer leash in those fights. You're going to battle. This is a dangerous sport. I understand the refs need to protect fighters. When you're talking about a guy losing his championship belt, you give him as much as you can as far as letting him try to survive in there. Anyways, fantastic night of fights. So much action. It was funny. There were so many finishes. You could tell that they were trying to fill airtime because fights were just moving so quickly. But that's not a problem for us when you're a fight fan. You love to see the action. Really great night of fights. And like I said, the two championship fights, the belts changed hands in both the fights. Alex Pereira, he'll be a great middleweight champion. He's got a lot of power with kickboxing, but he does need a lot of work on the ground. I think if you get a halfway decent wrestler in there against him, he gets taken down and probably loses the fight on the ground, but he'll always have that one-punch knockout power that you usually see up at heavyweight. He'll carry that down at middleweight, so it should be interesting. Uh, Him versus like a Paulo Costa would be fascinating from a power standpoint, although I do think Pereira would win that. But, you know, hey, this does open the door for Robert Whitaker to try to get in for a title shot again ultimately I think what they will do and what I think is the best thing to do is Izzy was minutes away from winning that fight I think you give them the immediate rematch as far as Zhang Li is concerned I'm not sure anyone takes that belt off her for a while I could see a long title defense coming for her but we'll see as that goes forward anyways let's stop with last weekend let's go ahead and take a look at our bets So, looking at our bets, we had Carlos Olberg versus Nikolai Nagumarianu. Nikolai Nagumarianu we took as the underdog at plus 105 for a loss. Julio Arce versus Montel Jackson. We had Montel Jackson at minus 200 for going back for more two unit bet win. Michael Trezano versus Shangwu Choi. This was one that I told you on the podcast we were not going to bet. I was leaning Shangwu Choi. Glad we didn't take it. That would have been a loss, but that was an outstanding fight. Karolina Kowalkiewicz versus Silvana Gomez-Juarez. We took Silvana Gomez-Juarez, Moneyline-105 for a loss. And Matt Frivola versus Otman Azaitar. And probably the most shocking uh, finish out of any of these fights this week and the most shocking result. We had Otman Azaitar, Moneyline-115 for going back for more two-unit bet. That was a loss. Took us to the UFC prelims, Andre Petroski versus Wellington Terman. We had Andre Petroski, Moneyline, minus 210 for the win. Aaron Blanchfield versus Molly McCann. I told you guys, this was a heart pick. We went with Molly McCann, Moneyline, plus 300. That was a loss, but I told you all through the last episode of the podcast. That's a pick we were making with our heart, and I literally told you that is not the smart pick to make. (laughs) Aaron Blanchfield is the more well-rounded MMA fighter. I told you she'd take the ground, the fight to the ground, that it would be a wrestling heavy attack from her, which I didn't think Molly McCann would be able to handle that well. We made a heart pick. I was hoping Molly could find that one shot on the feet. She didn't. We, we knew there was a good chance we were going to get a loss in that bet. It's also why it was plus 300. Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Span. In hindsight, probably a terrible bet, but we did Dominic Reyes, Moneyline minus 225 for a loss. Probably going to be... Well, maybe not. We'll see. But I think he should maybe consider retiring. Just too much damage to the head in his last several fights. Been in there against Warriors. You know, he had a shot at the title. I hate to say that. This is this guy's livelihood. But I'm starting to worry a little bit about his health. Brad Rydell versus Renato Moicano. This is another fight we did not bet. But I told you I was leaning Renato Moicano. I told you he'd probably do it by submission. Turns out we should have made those bets because that would have won. For the UFC main card, Dan Hooker versus Claudio Pueless. We had Dan Hooker Moneyline minus 165 for the win. Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez fight to go the distance minus 125 was a loss. For this fight, I didn't necessarily think Frankie Edgar would win, but I thought that... I don't know. I guess this is another one with my heart, but I thought that he would at least fight well enough to not be finished in his last retirement fight, but I also didn't think he had the power or skills at this point in his career to finish Chris Gutierrez. So I was hoping he'd will his way to a decision at least, but that didn't happen. He had the very brutal knockout. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. We had Dustin Poirier money line minus 225 for the win. Carla Esparza versus Zhang Weili. We had Zhang Lee by finish for plus 100 win. And the last fight of the night, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. We were mere minutes away from cashing Israel Adesanya money line minus 186. But unfortunately we lost with the very late fifth round knockout win for Alex Padeta. All in for the UFC, we were down 4.4 units. We went 5-7. An okay weekend for us, definitely not great. A few things I could have changed would have made a really big impact on how our night went. For example, that adesanya Padeda fight, that was a pretty big swing. But hey, that is what it is. We're going back for more bets, also went one for two. You hate to lose those when you're putting two units down on a fight. For the homestyle perfect plate parlay. Andre Petrosky Money Moneyline, Dustin Poirier Moneyline, and Zhang Wei Li Moneyline plus 166 was a win. And the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay is doing pretty well lately. That's back-to-back wins for the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay. It is up over a unit. It's won three out of the last five that we've had. So we're starting to build some steam with Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay. That's obviously a fun bet to make because it keeps your eye on a few different fights. That wraps up our bets. Let's see how we did on verdict and give out some podcast awards. We have got to snap this streak on verdict. Another medal opportunity stolen away from us at the last minute with Israel Adesanya loss. We were on the board for a medal heading into that fight and through the four rounds We thought we were going to cash either a bronze or a silver medal. His fifth round loss cost us a verdict medal opportunity. We need to get back to our winning ways on verdict. We'd strung together many, many wins in verdict. Lots of different medals. High hit ratio as far as a medal per event. We need to get back to that, and we will do so this upcoming Saturday. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, we have three because this was a pay-per-view event. We had early prelims, so we start with our smooth, buttery biscuits UFC early prelims performance of the night. We're giving that to Matt Frivola for handing Azitar his first pro loss and doing so by knockout. The mac and cheese UFC prelims performance of the night, we got to go with Erin Blanchfield. She dominated Molly McCann on the ground to a submission win and just stole all of her momentum that she'd had building up. For our chicken and dumplings UFC main card performance of the night. We're going with Zhang Wei Li. She was the better fighter in every area of that fight, including wrestling, which many people thought that former champion Carla Esparza's only path to victory would be. So she dominated in all areas of, of MMA on her way to reclaiming her belt. Great night. Like I said, it was really great fights. I hope you go back and watch them. But we have to put last Saturday behind us so we can look forward to these upcoming UFC Fight Night Lewis vs. Pivop matchups. let's get into those prelim matchups starting at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with Natalia Silva versus Teresa Bleda. 6-0, Bleda is 5 inches taller and 6 inches longer in reach, and she's making her UFC debut after winning on Dana White's Contender Series. Bleda showed it all in that Dana White Contender Series appearance, with a knockdown, a ton of control time with 11 minutes out of the 15 on her way to a decision win. Natalia Silva won her UFC debut and comes into this fight on a 7-fight win streak. She's finished 7 of her 13 wins by submission and 3 by knockout. This should be an awesome fight. Both women are excellent on the ground and on the feet. I am leaning Natalia Silva due to her 19-pro fight experience to get the win here, and because she is so skilled at jujitsu jitsu on the ground, that I think she could handle herself down there if that's where the fight goes if she gets taken down. Brady Highstand vs. Fernie Garcia. Brady has a 4 inch reach advantage, and Brady Highstand has not fought since August of 2021 when he lost the Ultimate Fighter 29 final by split decision in an absolutely great battle. Highstand uses a wrestling heavy attack, and he landed 6 of 11 takedowns in that fight. Fernie Garcia earned a first round knockout win on Dana White's contender series, but then lost a decision in his UFC debut. To keep it simple, I don't think that Franny Garcia is ready to defend as many takedowns as Brady Highstand is going to send his way at this point in his young career just yet. Brady Highstand is a very talented wrestler, and I think that he will land at least two takedowns per round and win this fight with his work on the ground. Highstand is very active once he takes down his opponents, working for submissions, and he just has too many ways to win this fight, in my opinion. Vanessa Demopoulos versus Maria Oliveira massive size discrepancy in this fight. I don't know the last time I saw a reach advantage this wide, but Maria Oliveira is 4 inches taller, and she has a staggering half inch reach advantage. That's basically a forearm's advantage against her fighter. Maria Oliveira is a striking specialist, and having size discrepancies that large cannot be ignored. After losing her UFC debut, Oliveira won her last fight, Vanessa Dimopoulos also lost her UFC debut and has since won her last two fights. This is an interesting stylistic matchup. I think Maria Oliveira will dominate with the stand-up striking battle because of her style and size, but Vanessa Dimopoulos is a jiu-jitsu specialist. I think that if Vanessa gets Oliveira down, she'll have the opportunities to finish this fight on the ground. I'm taking Maria Oliveira to win this fight, but truthfully, I am concerned that Vanessa Demopoulos can get a submission if this fight hits the ground, even one time. In order for her to get this fight to the ground, though, she will have to overcome basically a foot in reach discrepancy. Ricky Tercios versus Kevin Natividad. Tercios is three inches taller and has an inch in reach advantage. The Ultimate Fighter Season 29 champion, Ricky Tercios, is coming off of his first loss in the UFC. He really did not look great in his last fight. He threw 235 total strikes, which is great. That's a lot of strikes to throw in three rounds. But he only landed 27 of them. Over 200 strikes that he threw hit nothing. It was one of the stranger, strangest things that we've ever seen in the Octagon. He had a lot of trouble with his distance management. He was throwing punches and kicks at the air, with just no danger to his opponent. He'd throw punches and kicks so far away from his opponent that his opponent wouldn't even have to move to dodge anything. Natividad lost his only two UFC appearances, both by knockout, and he must get a win here to stay on the roster. Neither fighter uses much wrestling, so this should be an exciting kickboxing affair, likely for the full three rounds, I think. Ricky Tercios has the cardio to use his striking to overwhelm his opponents with output, and I expect him to correct his distance management issues from his last fight, to outstrike Kevin Natividad. Vince Morales versus Miles Johns. Morales has a 4-inch reach advantage. He lost his last fight to end his two-fight win streak, and he's 3-4 in the UFC and really needs to start stringing together wins if he wants to start working his way up through the rankings. He's faced some pretty strong competition in the UFC so far, and Miles Johns is just a step down from his previous competition. Not by much though, I want to make that very clear. Johns lost his last fight to end a two-fight win streak, he's 3-2 in the UFC, and this fight, to me, is really a coin flip. Morales may be a bit faster with his striking, but I think Johns has more power. Miles Johns will use some wrestling, but both fighters are not particularly skilled with jiu-jitsu, I'm currently leaning Miles Johns to win this fight, but don't be surprised if Vince Morales gets a win with his reach advantage and distance striking. I do feel like someone will be finished in this fight. Jennifer Maia versus Marina Moroz. Moroz is 3 inches taller and has the same in reach advantage. This will be a very interesting fight because both women are incredibly skilled in jiu However, they are on different trajectories at the moment. Maya has lost her last two fights and three of her last four, but those losses have been against very elite competition, including the champ and two fighters currently in the top five. She was severely outstruck in her losses, but this will be a huge step up in competition for Marina Moroz, who ended a two-fight losing streak by rattling off three straight wins. Moroz is an extremely active wrestler, and she will take this fight to the ground multiple times. While Maya is comfortable with Jiu Jitsu on the ground, she's not as skilled with wrestling, so I think that Mayna Morose will find herself in top position more often than not when the fight does hit the mats. Even if they stalemate on the ground with jujitsu, the top position control time I think will favor Marina Morose, which will help her get the win in this fight. Our final prelim matchup finds Charles Johnson versus Zalgas Zumagalov. Johnson is 5 inches taller and has a 4 inch advantage in reach. Johnson is a 3 time former LFA champion who lost his UFC debut to the highly talented Mohamed Mukhaev on short notice, who just wrestled the crap out of him to the tune of 12 for 16 takedowns and 11 minutes of control time. Zalgaz uses wrestling as well, but nowhere near the skill and intensity of Mukhaev. 26 takedowns is absurd. Zalgos lost his last two fights, and he's 2-4 in the UFC. Zalgos likely needs a win here to stay on the roster, and he will try to wrestle his way to victory like Mikhaev did, but I don't think he is the gas tank to pull off what Mikhaev was able to do to Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson is a talented striker, and I think that he learned a lot, or at least a little bit, from that last loss to the wrestler Mohamed Mikhaev. I Expect Charles Johnson to use his long-range weapons to score points, and stay prepared to defend takedowns. Try to make Zalgaz Zumagolov, shoot out from distance to try to get those takedowns, which will leave him open for knees, uh, uppercuts, other different strikes that Charles Johnson has at his disposal. I think Charles Johnson gets the win here. That wraps up our UFC prelims. Let's take a look at the UFC main card. The UFC main card starts at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time with Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. 13 of Jack's 14 pro fights have ended by finish, with 10 of his 12 wins ending by knockout. Jack earned a spot on the roster with a Dana White's Contender Series win and followed it up with two first round knockout wins. Danny Roberts lost his last fight by unanimous decision to end his two fight win streak. Danny Roberts will mix in some wrestling. And he better hope that he is successful, because I do not think that he could stand and strike with Jack Della Maddalena. With three knockout losses, I think Danny Roberts gets knocked out again in this fight. Jack Della Maddalena is at a higher striking skill level than Danny Roberts, and I think Jack will end this fight by knockout quickly, so the wrestling of Danny Roberts simply won't even come into play. Cody Brundage versus Rodolfo Vieira. Vieta pulled out of that fight this week, so that is no longer on our card. So that follows Andre Fialho, or coming next, I should say, is Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. Excellent matchmaking here, with Fialho gaining 4 inches in reach. Fialho lost his last fight by knockout, but he's won 6 of his last 8, with all of those wins by knockout. He has 13 knockouts in his 16 pro wins, Salikov lost his last fight by knockout that ended his 5-fight win streak. 12 of his 18 pro wins have been by knockout. You can see what I'm getting at here. Someone is going to sleep in this fight. Both fighters get knockout wins and have been knocked out themselves. Salikov will go for a few takedowns, but Andre Fialho will try to punch your head off. Each of Fialho's last 5 wins have been first-round knockouts. I think Andre Fialho will either get the knockout in the first round, or Salikov will get the finish later in this fight, like round three. I think Andre Fialho finds his punch and gets another first round knockout win, because he will start faster than Salikov, because he already has the reach advantage. He will find a striking distance first, and find the power shot that he typically finds in his wins. Another high-powered fight follows that with Chase Sherman versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. This fight will end by knockout. Sherman ended his four-fight losing streak with a knockout win his last time out. His last five wins have been by knockout, and 15 of his 16 pro wins have been by knockout. Cortez Acosta is 8-0 as a pro with four knockouts himself. He earned a spot in the UFC with a knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series, and followed that up with a decision win in his UFC debut. These fighters don't wrestle. They're going to stand and bang, which is why someone has to go to sleep. I think Chase Sherman has the power advantage, and he really looked sharp in his last fight when he fought another talented striker. I think the obvious ending to this fight is that someone is going to sleep, but I am leaning Chase Sherman to win this fight. Both fighters throw a ton of strikes, with over six significant strikes landed per minute for both fighters, and they both headhunt. So I wouldn't be surprised if this fight does not last long. That takes us to our co-main event, Kennedy, Jachukwu versus Ian Kutalaba. I love Jachukwu. I think this guy will be a top 10 fighter before too long. Jachukwu is just massive. He has a 4 inch height advantage and 8 inches in reach advantage. Crazy length in this fight that will be crucial when facing the wrestling heavy attack of Kutalaba. Ian will have to work his way into distance in order to go for takedowns, which is how he likes to win fights. Kutalaba is on a two-fight losing streak, both by submission. Unfortunately for him, I don't think he loses by submission against Kennedy and Zechukwu, since he has no pro-submission wins. After losing his past two fights, Kennedy got back in the win column with a third-round knockout, where he actually wrestled very offensively in that fight, which is a new wrinkle to his game. This fight will come down to if Jachuku can stop the takedowns from Kutalaba. I think he's developed that area of his game over the past few years, and he's even developed an offensive wrestling attack as well. I think Kennedy's size will be a big advantage in the wrestling exchanges as well, so I think Kennedy Jachuku will get the win here late in this fight by finish. He will have to be sharp with his takedown defense early, as Kutalaba goes for, I think, four takedown attempts just in round one. But he can use his size to wear on Kutalaba, and Kennedy could find the finish in round three as Kutalaba gets tired. That takes our main card up to the main event. Let's take a look at Derek Lewis versus Sergei Spivak. Alright, main event Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. I always love a heavyweight main event. And these giants are similar in size, so no one has an advantage there. Number 7 ranked heavyweight Derek Lewis is the UFC knockout king with the most knockouts in UFC history. He's taking on the surging number 12 ranked heavyweight Sergey Spivak. These fighters are at a crossroads. Spivak won his last two fights by knockout and five of his last six. Lewis has lost his last two by knockout, and has only won one of his four fights since fighting for the Interim Heavyweight Championship. All three of those losses were by knockout, and I think this fight will either be pretty boring, or end in under three rounds. Lewis struggles with wrestlers, and Spivak averages over four takedowns per fight. That typically has made Lewis gun-shy in those matchups when he fights wrestlers, and he just tries to time a knockout. Derek Lewis will either catch Spivak with a knockout or Spivak will wrestle Lewis down and finish him on the ground by either knockout or submission. Spivak has too many ways to win this fight and I think he gets it done here. Spivak can win by ground and pound submission or decision due to his wrestling and control. I think Lewis only wins with a knockout. That could absolutely happen, but I think Spivak gets it done here and I think he gets the finish in rounds two or three after wrestling heavy early in this fight and getting another takedown to lead to the finish. That wraps up our UFC Fight Night Derek Luvis versus Sergei Spivak. Let's take a look at what bets we're taking. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. Let's dive into it. With the prelims, we have Natalia Silva versus Teresa Bleda. Like I told you, I'm leaning Natalia Silva, but we are not going to bet that fight. Brady Highstand versus Fernie Garcia. Brady Highstand, Moneyline minus 165. Vanessa Demopolis versus Maria Oliveira. I'm leaning Maria Oliveira, but we're not going to bet that fight because of the jiu-jitsu skill of Demopolis. Like I said, I think if she gets Maria Oliveira down just one time, she will find the submission. Ricky Tercios vs. Kevin Natividad. Ricky Tercios, moneyline minus 150. Vince Morales versus Miles Johns. I would lean Miles Johns. We're not going to bet that fight, but that's what I would go there. Jennifer Maya versus Marina Moroz. We're taking Marina Moroze, money moneyline minus 185. And the last fight on the prelims, Charles Johnson versus Zalgas Zumagulov. We're going with Charles Johnson, moneyline minus 165. For the main card, Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. We're actually taking Jack Della Maddalena by knockout, minus 167, going back for more two-unit bet. I think he gets it done here in exciting fashion, so we are doubling up our bet on that one, even though it is minus 167. Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. We're doing two bets in this fight. I like Andre Fialho, money line, minus 105, and I like fight to not go the distance at minus 167. Chase Sherman versus Waldo Cortez Acosta. We went with Chase Sherman, moneyline plus 180. I think that's a really nice underdog. A lot of value there because he has that one punch knockout power. Kennedy Jachuku versus Jan Kutalaba. We went with Kennedy Jechukwu, moneyline minus 165. And to end the night, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. I love Derek Lewis. He's known as the Black Beast. He's a very exciting fighter. UFC knockout king. But unfortunately in this one, we're taking Spivak by finish, minus 137. For the home saw perfect plate parlay, we're going Brady high stand money line, Jack Della Maddalena money line, and Sherman versus Cortez Acosta fight to not go the distance at plus 161. Let's see if we can make that three wins in a row for our parlay. That would be absolutely outstanding, but let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard prior to the events on social media for the podcast. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Go to www.thehomestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional inf- information about the podcast. We're going to keep growing on social media, guys. We're getting pretty good interaction. I feel like I tell you that every week, but it is true. Feel free to get involved. Let me know if you agree, disagree. Anything you'd like to say, i love to hear and we'll respond to. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, and comment. Leave a review wherever you may be listening. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap from this card. And the UFC is actually off next weekend, but... The time has finally come, guys. The PFL playoffs are back. The 2022 PFL World Championships are taking place November 25th at Madison Square Gardens. So we will have a recap of the UFC from this past Saturday, and then we will dive into an entire PFL breakdown matchup for that fight. There are so many great fights on that card. We're probably going to cover the whole main card and the prelims because it will be that exciting. We have every single belt on the line. People will be winning and fighting for $1 million. I love the PFL system. I think it's fantastic. This is going to be a very exciting night of fights. If you're new to the PFL, maybe you've not seen them before. This is what you're going to want to tune into to get hooked. This is the PFL World Championships, the people fighting for a $1 million fought through the regular season to earn their spot in the playoffs and won through the playoffs to get to this championship fight is going to be outstanding. I cannot wait for the return of the PFL. It's going to be all action. I will break down all of those fights for you because there are plenty great fights on that card. So no UFC next Saturday, but I still encourage you to listen to next episode of the podcast because this will be a great opportunity for you to get involved with the professional fighters league the pfl currently owned and ran by the espn and disney you know that whole big conglomerate of course but anyways till next time this was sean Buren on the homestyle mma podcast y'all have a good one